I so got blessed by what Eric shared Wednesday week when he called out the gold to everybody that was there in that service. And he just, it was so cool to listen to Holy Spirit work through him in calling out the gold in people and what he would say. And, uh, you know, I listen, I forget what he said about Pamela and then what he said about Annette and just everybody. It was so neat to hear that. And uh, it just, it, it gave worth and value to all of us. It set the standard where it's supposed to be. And uh, I just, I am so excited about River Church and about you, each and every one of you. And this message that the Lord has put me on concerning uh, this scripture in Romans chapter 8 uh, is just changing my life. It says in chapter 8, verse 28, let's read it together. Ready, read. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And that's just powerful, y'all. That's just, that's just in there. The Amplified said, we are assured and know that God being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan, and are fitting into a plan, and are fitting into a plan for good to and for those who love God and are, and are called according to his design and purpose. Those who love God. Well, you know, everybody says they love God, but really you'd have to love God's will for your life. God, I'm pursuing your will for me. And that's really loving God. Not saying, I really, I love you, Lord, lip service, but I really love what the world's doing for me. I really am, you know, I've got an Xbox, I want a Ferrari, I want to, you know, be on vacation all the time. No, we're talking about God's will and plan for our life. God says, I am working in your behalf when you have that agenda. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We've just been looking over and over uh, at this uh, this thing about called according to his purpose. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. Second Timothy. Whatever I said, it's Second Timothy. Oh, hallelujah. Let's read this together out loud. Verse 9. Ready? Read. Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Y'all, you are special. You are important. You are necessary to the kingdom of God, and it's not working as well when you, when you and I are not in our place, according to his purpose and his grace. So there's two sides. He has a purpose. And then when we say, Lord, here am I, send me, he says, I've got a grace for that. No matter how impossible, no matter how daunting, no matter how mitigating the circumstances, your role, you're a housewife, you're an engineer, you're, you're homeless, you're, you're whatever people are, he said, I've got a purpose and it has nothing to do with where you are today. Your gender, your race, your age, your, your education, it has nothing according to that. You may have missed it wide and long to, to where you are today, but I can get you where I need to, you to be. 
Uh, I'm telling you, it's amazing. And the reason we don't believe that or walk in that is because we just hadn't seen it demonstrated. Nobody, not that I know of, they're not preaching this. And so therefore nobody's believing this. And it's just, you're criticized if you think I'm special in the kingdom of God. I'm called and I'm here. We just don't do that. And maybe we should not do that. But that is the truth. Point to yourself and say, boy, howdy. You are special in God's plan. I'm telling you, that's the truth right there. That is gospel if it's ever been preached. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says this. Now listen, listen. It says, but now God hath set. There's just something about that like a bricklayer. God hath set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. It's like a bricklayer that's putting every brick in there. Whoever drove by a building and there was two or three bricks missing as they were as they were looking at the wall. And you're like, there's a there's a brick missing out of that. No, every brick is in its place. And if it wasn't, it it tends to not be strong. It's it's God has set the members in us. And so he set you and I in the body individually, specifically and uniquely as it has pleased him. And it's not according, as we saw here in Timothy, it's not according to our works. Well, I sing good. Well, I, I, I preach good. Well, that's fine, but we may not ever use you to sing. Did y'all notice that, that, that this church has never, I mean, not never, but not, not consistently attracted musicians? And, you know, I talk to other pastors and they say, oh, yeah, I, I got seven musicians and it's it's a dogfight to go to rehearsal. He says, you know, one of them's trying to boss. If I ever miss, he's just bossing and this one's singing loud and this one. And you go, really? And then you go over here to this church and he says, oh, yeah, I got three guitar players and they're all fussing about who gets to play. And I'm going, whew, <laughs> we don't have any of those problems. <laughs> and you just wonder. If that sort of thing is not really a part of what God has in his kingdom for the New Testament church. I mean, that's blasphemy. That's heretical. But to think, I wonder if that's really the way he had it, because you rarely see it work out. Or if you do, it's just an amazing consumption of time and energy and labor. I'm not against worship. I'm all about it. But I just wonder. I just wonder how it's supposed to work. Do y'all? We don't, we don't have it, and you go, God, if it was so necessary, you would certainly provide it. And we are having a big time right now in this church worshiping God. And we're just, I mean, it's just like, okay, the, I never heard the orchestra sit down, and I never saw the singers step up. We just saw Anita lead us, and uh, it was just like, could it really have been better? Could it really have been... Okay, well, it would have been a production. My point in there is being there may be some things that we're all looking towards and moving towards that really heaven hasn't ordained. It's not there to be done on earth because it hasn't been done in heaven. And maybe there's some things that we would all say are necessary. We could, God would say are necessary and essential, and we're not even looking to it or expecting it or thinking about it, and it would make the kingdom move. And that's what I want to press. I, I just believe that Debbie and I could be set in a, a church anywhere in the United States or around the world. I, I don't believe that this is the ultimate setting for me or for you 
to say, this is what I was made for. I believe we're all set for a move of God in Alabama and for revival in Tuscaloosa County. And so everything that's not moving towards that, I tend to say, let's chop that off. Let's move that out. That's a weight and that's a encumbrance. Let's get this thing towards the goal of where we're supposed to be in him. And it'll be unconventional. Would you all agree? It could be unconventional. So uh, we've had powerful prophecies at River Church. I've got a book. It's not out here now, but I've got a book of prophecies that uh, Brother Doodle Doo and Sister Doodle Dat came in and said, Thus saith the Lord, this is what River Church is supposed to be and do and have. And we wrote them down and said, Thus saith the Lord. And you go, well, now, God, was that a mistake? Was that off? Was that, were these people just petting us? Were they patronizing us? Were they just making it up as they go? And yet I love every one of them that's ever done that. And think, like, I'd give, I'd, no, the mothers of my grandchildren might, but I'd, I, every one of my grandchildren, I'd send them to their house for the summer and say, it, it couldn't be better than that. I, I just have the highest regard for all these people that prophesied and had a witness to it at the time when it was brought forth and have a witness in studying and meditating these prophecies since then. I have a book this thick I've told you about of things that God's spoken over me and Debbie and over our children and over you, over Lawrence and Kathleen, over Lisa, and every one of them in here, every one of you in here has had a word from the Lord with me around. I've witnessed it. So God is talking to us and saying, here's where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing. And yet we tend to just keep going back to where we were like other things. And I, I just say, Lord, don't come back until we figure out how to get unstuck here. Do you notice, I did, that God always in everybody that he likes and promotes, everybody that's extraordinary in the kingdom, always has a past that was not extraordinary, but yet was an amazingly ordinary did you notice that he doesn't take people necessarily that were great and famous in the world and make them of their same gifting in the, in the kingdom? He usually takes some stumbler or stutterer or somebody that has, that's not that great, and he takes them from the low places and he puts them up on high. I, you just can't hardly name anybody that says, yeah, I was, I was doing so good in the kingdom and I, I went for God and, and he was able to use the gifting in me. It's usually somebody that's not that cool or hot or big, and they just totally get it in God. I, I went through all the big dogs that are in the kingdom, and, and, and I like, you weren't cool, you weren't cool, you, you, know, you weren't cool. So uh, even the Lord Jesus, the Bible says, he was not someone you would look on and be moved by saying, Surely he's the Messiah, because look at him. Uh, the Bible says he, he wasn't one, that they never figured it out. They never looked to him and said, I bet that's the one. Y'all remember this? It's in the Word. Hallelujah. So, um, so this thing about who we are is something about a gift from heaven that's put down inside each and every one of us that's hidden by this flesh and hidden in a fallen world. Y'all know the world is fallen. It's a fallen world, and it's cursed, and yet this gift is holy. Did y'all read it? It's the holy calling. It's inside of you and me, 
and it demands to be recognized. Turn with me to Philemon. Philemon, I think, is just to the right of Timothy, Titus. Timothy, Titus, Philemon. And let's look at the scripture. This is one of the most powerful statements in the New Testament uh, for Christians that want to grow up and to be strong. It says in verse 6, let's read it together. Verse 6, ready, read. That the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. He basically says here, you can't start the car in the sense of the kingdom car without putting in the key of saying, I was nothing, but in him I am, I am everything. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That really nobody gets in there saying, you know, I was pretty hot, pretty good, pretty, pretty on it, and uh, that's why God put me in this place. Mostly uh, everybody has to say, I was not doing that much, but the gift inside of me made a way where there seemed to be no way. I'm telling you, there's something big inside of all of you, and it's hidden to the world, but it's not hidden to those that are spiritual. I look at Melissa and say, dear Lord, that is amazing. I look at Shanita and go, what God could be the limit of that woman? I look at all of you. I'm just picked those two, but I'm saying I'm looking at all of you and go, in the spirit, there is no limits. You could be the Reinhardt Bonnke or the, 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 the Billy Graham, and we would never even flinch and say, yeah, buddy, that was amazing. We'd just say, no, that was right on course. And so there's a thing inside of us that compels us to sit and be tutored and be be chastened and be scrubbed, as it were, of things that are unholy, unrighteous, lazy, uh, slothful, uh, worldly. There's The Holy Ghost is always scrubbing on us, isn't he? If you come here to River Church, there's a scrubbing going on, even though we don't say, you know, quit this and quit that. You just know that there's a there's a reverence for truth here that we all embrace that says, I want to go further and I want to go faster. And I don't want to just be in the world. I want to be of his world and of his kingdom. The scripture here says that your faith becomes effectual, activated, energized. How? By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in us by Christ Jesus. So we got to find what's inside of us. We got to find if there's an apostle in us, if Sophia is the prophetess to the nations, we got to find it. If Madison is called to whatever, we got to find it. We got to stir it. We got to we got to make it known to ourselves where we start we start feeding that, protecting that, nurturing that, shielding that, saying no, you, that, that's that's against the anointing. That's against that's against who I am. That's against the call of God inside of me. I don't know exactly where this is going. I don't even care. I just want to surrender to Him and let Him do with what with me what what I wanted what He wants to do. Philippians chapter three. Can I take y'all through just a few scriptures this morning, till I so I can get to where I'm going. He made his ways known to Moses. He made his ways known to 
Lisa and to Jacob and to Anita made his ways known. But a whole bunch of folks he could only know, you know, they could just look at TV and say, well, look at that. Isn't that amazing? You know, that, that, that person got healed or that her person got whatever, whatever, whatever. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Look what it says here. Not as though I had already attained. So we're, we're jumping right into the middle of a subject here. Either we're already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to, to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press, I press, I, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many be perfect, be thus minded, the same minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. So it says here there's a call and a purpose for all of our lives that's important. In another place we could go and look that says that even the uncomely parts of the human body, God, they're covered like our feet. Like our like our our scalp that are covered, but God says those are the important things. The earlobe, how important is that to get to work, and how important is that to no, nothing? But oh, God says I exalt and I honor those those parts. Well, He's saying here that every one of us is important in the Bible, uh, the Bible of basic English. I believe that's a translation. I don't know if it's going to come up. Listen to this. Not as if I had even now got the reward or been made complete, but I go on in the hope that I may come to the knowledge of that for which I was made the servant of Christ Jesus. Now, y'all, this is important that we, we, we strive to so, say, Lord, what am I here for? I know I'm a husband. I know that I'm a, you know, I'm an employee. I know here I'm a neighbor. I'm a member of the church. Lord, I know all the things that, that I'm tagged with. But what was I made here for? I'm doing and going and having. But what is the reason that you picked me out before the foundation of the world and said, you are my messenger and my disciple and my son, and you will make a difference. And I'm going to gift you and grace you accordingly. And if you don't do anything, it'll be not heaven's fault because I put it in there and I opened the Red Sea, as it were, and I made a way where there was no way. I put the gifts of the Spirit. I put the prophetic word. I stirred up Holy Ghost. I, I did everything that was necessary. It was all right there. It was like a wall of weapons or a wall of tools. And you look ahead and say, I'm going to need a few of these things. And the wall was there. And you just rip off a, a, a machete and rip off a machine gun or whatever it is to, in the natural realm to mow down the devil and to build up the kingdom. Now, we don't see it that way. We just see like surviving. 
I hope the Antichrist is coming. I hope we make it to the end. I hope we don't have to take the mark, or I hope we don't have to, you know, go without. That's not really who we are. That's not the acknowledging of every th- good thing that's in us by Christ Jesus. It, let me go on. Paul, Paul said, um, I'm in the bi- basic Bible English. He said, um, where was I? Uh, Brothers, it is clear to me that I have not come to that knowledge, but one thing I do, look, look, letting go those things which are past and stretching out to the things which are before. Did y'all see the key there? Well, Lawrence, he built tires for 86 years or something, just forever. Just, and you go, he could, he could easily identify with that. Well, who are you? Or as men say, what do you do? You could identify with what you've done and say, that's who I am. But it'd be a mistake. It would not be acknowledging who you are in Christ Jesus. It'd be like, I don't remember what I did for these years. I, it, it's not who I am. It's just what I did in order to be who I was. Your job is so little that is so imprinted me what Eric said the other day where he said the Eastern cultures are so different from the Western cultures because Western cultures are all about their job. They won't let go of their job, their career, in order to engage the gospel. But in the Eastern culture, they won't, engage, they won't let go of their family to embrace the gospel. And it's like, boy, is that the truth here? It's like, ah, I can't, I can't do anything for God because I got to work. You know, God, God gave me this and I got to do it. So God's going to, it's just like that is in our culture and we have to get a live above it. Well, here he's talking about, I let go, letting go of those things which are past and stretching. Did y'all see that? It wasn't a button like a light switch. It's a stretching to accommodate. I go forward to the mark. Even the reward of the high purpose of God in Christ Jesus. Did you see that? High purpose. What's a high purpose? It's your purpose. Jacob's purpose might not be high to me, but it's it's very high to him because it's his purpose in God, and I have a purpose in me, and I can't do Jacob's, and he can't do mine. Then he says, Then let us all who have come to full growth. Could I have an amen? We're on that. We're, we're not casual observers. Let us all who have come to full growth be of this mind. So we're going to pay attention right here. And if in anything you are of a different mind, even this God will make clear to you. I believe in this series that he's doing that very thing. He's telling us, wake up, wake up. This isn't, you're not about to retire. You're not about to get your grandkids all lined up. You're not about to whatever. That's just incidental. That's just to make it work so that you can get my kingdom. This is who you are and what you've done. The new century says this. He said, I've not reached that goal, but I continue trying to reach it and make it mine. Christ wants me to do that. Look, look, look. Christ wants me to continue trying to reach it and make it mine, which is the reason he made me his. Brothers and sisters, I know that I have not yet reached that goal, but there is one thing I always do, forgetting the past and straining toward what is ahead. I keep trying to reach the goal and get the prize for which God has called me. There's a straining here. There's a reaching here. 
there's an uncomfortableness of us. It's a getting out of our culture. It's contrary to our culture to do what the Bible says we're supposed to do. And it's so contrary to what your parents told you you would do and what your coworkers say that you are and what your husband and wife look at you and say, well, this is about the extent of what you'll ever become. It's just so hidden. It's so not inside of us overtly. The Bible literally says that towards the mark, the mark literally in the Greek means a concealed goal. So it has to be discovered. It's a concealed goal. It's not obvious. We can't look at Kathleen and say, well, look at Kathleen. It's obvious what she'll be and do in the kingdom. We would put limits on every one of us if we said, based on me looking at you and knowing you for a year, you, this is as far as you're going to go. Well, really? Really? It's a hidden goal. And it's not revealed by what we see outwardly, personality, financially, educationally, gender, race, none of that. It's like it's, it's, it's a treasure that's hidden in a box that's in a cave, and nobody knows what's in it. And we got to go down there and get that cave, in that cave and get that box out and open that thing up and say, wow, we thought that a treasure like this would be someone that's famous and, and, and such an orator and so prolific and tall and handsome and, and gracious and, and you? Paul was not any of those things. Do you all know the description of Paul? Kind of a short fella. <laughs> not that handsome. <laughs> not that much hair on his head. Woo-hoo. <laughs> There's hope for me, I'm telling you. <laughs> he didn't have any out- outward attribute that you'd say, that's the man that's going to save the world. That's the one that's going to whoop the devil and write the gospel. None of that was revealed. It was inside of him. The New English says this, This one thing I do, however, is to forget what's behind me and do my best to reach what is head. So I run straight toward the goal in order to win the prize, which is God's call. What's the prize? It's God's call through Christ Jesus. Y'all, it's not prosperity, but you'll need prosperity to, to fund your call. And it's not just praise and worship, but you'll need that to be uh, in relationship to him. You know, you'd have a call, but cold as a fish and to, towards God, and it'll just sit there. It, it's, it's none of these things, but yet it's all of these things that we must have in our, in our quest to find out who we are. And y'all, we're not just trying to get to heaven. I know we were raised that. Just get saved. Just get out of hell. Just get... Jesus in your life. And it's like, really? You're saying that there's a door and that's all we need to know is how to open the door. But what's that behind that door? Is irrelevant to God? No, the door is just the beginning. It's nothing. But yet you got to still go through the door. Well, we're all through the door. We're all born again, spirit filled, full of fire. Down inside, it is it is volcanic. It is radioactive. It is it is fervent hot. But out here, we've been culturized. We've been dumbed down. We've been religiousized to say, hey, cool your jets. This thing is not that important. No big deal. It's, you know, if you're going to be hot, you must be called to be an evangelist to Pakistan or something. If you're, if you're excited about God like that, well, you, you don't belong in America. 
But the rest of us, we're just regular Christians. No, every one of us is called. The kingdom isn't working right now the way it is. It's not according to the word. Now I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12. Now I want you to remember this. This is Debbie said this, and it's the truth. Faith is required for everything. It's been an attitude that just says, if God wants to call me, he will reveal it. But it's just not the Bible. It's just contrary to what the Word of God says. It says to stretch toward the call, to, 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 to be pulled apart. It's not easy. It's not convenient. It's not even pleasant until you engage it. Getting healing in your body is not easy. Like, okay, I've got you can heal me if you want to. He wants to. But you got to draw. It's not that God's having a hard time healing us. It's that we got all these roadblocks inside of us that say, no, no, no. That I'm not worthy, that I'm not good enough, that God doesn't always do it, or he's trying to, t- all that stuff that you don't really believe. And I'd ask you, do you believe? And you'd say, I don't believe any of that. But it's in there. There's a residue. Sometimes in a computer, you can delete a program and you think it's gone, but there's all sorts of junk that's still in the registry and all sorts of stuff that's in there that didn't come out. That's all I'm going to say about that, Forrest Gump said. Hallelujah. So, um, but a lot of Christians want the will of God to be revealed without exercising a belief or an expectation. Expectation is required. Does anybody in here have an expectation that God's going to reveal his divine plan to you soon? And even if it's not the whole thing, even if he doesn't say, I've called you to be a a prophet to the nations, he would at least put you on the track and you'd say, by faith, I'm on the road. The road sign says, I'm going to this place, this this calling, and I just know I'm on the road, even though no one recognizes it. I feel nothing different, but I'm on the road and I'm going to stay on the road. We've got to get on the road. Well, we're on the road. You're in River Church this morning, and we're preaching some of the toughest stuff that's out there. This is an inconvenient gospel that I'm ministering to you. It's full of responsibility, full of in-your-face. If you don't do it, what are you going to do with it? You've you, you got to get mad at me. You've got to get mad at somebody if you, don't, if you say no to this. Real chancy, real risky to bring this gospel out because it's so confrontational. It's so... The end of, it's the, so the end of a normal Christian life because it says, I must pursue him until I find him. And, and lots of preachers don't last if they touch this. But when they get to the great shepherd and he says, what would you do with all my people? And they went, Lord, I went the easy route because I was afraid of them. He's going to say, that's just not going to get it. I didn't call you down there to be afraid of them. I called you down there to preach it. Well, I said, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it out there. So hallelujah, y'all are here. Romans chapter 12, look at verse 1. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. That word beseech is strong. This is a strong word. That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, just your ordinary standard service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it's not instant. It can't be done just by making a decision or just deciding, although that's the beginning of it, but it's not the finishing. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
Look, 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 verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you. That would be us, wouldn't it? Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. Well, that's all we're wanting to do this morning is just think soberly. There's no coercion here. There's no intimidation or threat here. It's just like, let's all think soberly. Is it working? Are you really satisfied down inside with just what we're doing? Of just waiting and saying, God, if you want to do anything with my life or with this city, I'm in. Or are you called to be activated? He said, according as God, look, according to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Can you say that with me? The measure of faith. Let's say it better. The measure of faith. Now, I want to remind you all that uh, when Andrew was born, when Laura Beth was born, they got as many muscles as Hulk Hogan (laughs) or whoever that is. We all have been dealt the measure of muscles. Would you all believe me there? You got the same amount of teeth, got the same amount of muscles. But there's a big difference between me and all the athletes on the Alabama football team. I promise you there's a big difference. But we all have the same muscles. We've all been dealt the measure of muscles. And we've all been dealt the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all the members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Look, verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy, look, according to the proportion of faith. So, everybody starts out the same. In faith, everybody starts out the same. When you got born again, everybody, nobody had great faith when you got born again. We all started out with a measure of faith. Faith to believe, faith to receive. And you, you got that, and that's God's part. The measure of faith is God's part. Say God's part. That's his part. But down here where it says in verse 6, he's talking about prophesying here but it could be anything, according to the proportion of faith. He said, according to the grace that's given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. The proportion of faith is what you do with the measure of faith. So the Alabama football team goes to the weight room with the same amount of muscles that me, Michael Ray Billings, has. Same. That's This is unbelievable practically, isn't it? it hallelujah. And you, you got... You got, uh, who do we got out there that's that's just, name me a big muscle football player. I guess they all are. Reuben Foster. Oh, yeah, the Hulk. Okay. Can you believe, can you imagine that me and Reuben have the same measure of muscles? But here's the difference. Reuben has a proportion of muscles based on not what he got, but what he did with what he got. He says, let us prophesy according to our portion of faith. Well, everybody's got the gifts of the Spirit because everybody has the Holy Spirit, and the gifts of the Spirit are simply the manifestation of the Spirit. So if you've got Holy Spirit, you have every gift inside of you. 
Oh, God, give me some of these gifts. He's already given you the gifts because he gave you Holy Spirit. He gave you breathing because he gave you lungs. And so you can do it. But what? Well, why come I don't prophesy? Because you haven't done, I haven't done with my measure of faith according to my proportion or my will to engage my measure. So you can actually, me and Reuben could go to the weight room, take that Reuben. You know, it's almost funny what he's done. But he may have not done what I've done in some other areas where we both had an equal measure. And so it is with the kingdom. Everybody has done with what's necessary. You exercise or you release the gifts of the Spirit according to the need or the place where you have need. Well, the Bible is clear here that everybody has the gifts of the Spirit, but not everybody has the same office. Did you see that in verse uh, 4? It says, and all members have not the same office. So you would not necessarily need the same gifts at all times based on the office. But you could prophesy. We could get Madison up and she could prophesy. She could cast out devils. She could, she could preach. But that still would not make her a prophet. Even though she could go through all the gifts, yet if she didn't stand in that office, it would be different. Are you getting that? So the office comes from heaven. The calling, the purpose comes from heaven. But the gifts are given to everybody. It's that room where there's weapons on this side and tools on this side. Whatever you need according to your office, there's plenty there. But you might not need these tools or weapons based on the office that you're standing in. The calling, the purpose, the reason. So if we need to prophesy... And Paul said clearly, he said, I wish you would all prophesy in the church. But he said, here, there's a limit based on your proportion of faith. Some people are not going to prophesy. Well, I don't have the gift of prophecy. Yes, you do. You just haven't exercised it according to the measure that's in you. You haven't exercised it for your proportion. You're having what you put in. You're getting what out what you put in. This is real good, y'all. And it makes us all lose our excuse that I'm not called to that. And you may not be, but we've got to find out what we are called to so that we can have full access to the kingdom of heaven right now. If we wait on Michael and Debbie or Brother uh, Doodly Doo or, or whatever, if we wait on them to do the kingdom, we're, looking, we're going to have the whole kingdom sitting on top of this, little, this one person or this one group and the gifts that are in them. And all of our gifts are standing around as spectators doing nothing. There's 101,000 people in the stadium yesterday, give or take a thousand or two or ten, you know. But there was only 11 guys on the field from our side at one time, except the coach that steps over the line a few times. Everybody was watching those 11 and their gifts, and we all felt the the energy of of you know of catching it and running it and blocking it and everything like that. I kicked it off so many times, you know. I, it was me. I was, and and I find myself in my chair, you know, moving and and writhing, and <laughs> it's amazing. It's like one of those theaters that the chairs move when the movie's going on. I'm in it, you know. Hallelujah. But it really wasn't me. It was them. 
But there was 101 or so thousand people that were watching those spectators to those 11 players, those 22 players. And that's the way the kingdom of heaven is right now. And this ticket's expiring. We're all going to have to move out and go do our own winning and competing in the kingdom for the will of God. So there's a grace here, and there's a proportion of faith. So we should stand Lisa up and say, prophesy, Lisa. And she, she would wiggle and writhe and maybe carry on a little bit and maybe, you know, be a little nervous and give me the glare, you know, the eye, <laughs> like, <laughs> you will pay. But really, really, it'd be in her. It would be in her. Yeah, you would, Lisa. I know you're saying you wouldn't, but I'd just sit here until you prophesied. And if you put out something lame or gimpy, we'd just say, no, that's not it. Reach down further. That would be so uncomfortable, but it would be so biblical. And it would so knock us out of the complacency and lethargy of the religious New Testament church. But we would not like it in the process. You know, John G. Lake, would, his healing rooms back in 1920, they would send, they had 16 on their teams, 16 people that he had trained to be divine healing technicians. And they'd get a name of somebody that was terminal in their city of Seattle. And they'd say, Mary Jane, here, here's, here's Lulu Smith over here on Wallaby Street. We've told her you're coming. Do not come back until she has got a doctor's report that she is healed. Do not come back. And some people never came back, but almost all of them did. And that's kingdom. That's kingdom. That's the kingdom. That when we say on earth as it is in heaven, that's kingdom. It's not, Lord, I got to go to work. And it's not, Lord, I, you know, my baby's got baseball practice or whatever. And all those things are important. I'm not belittling them, but I'm saying the priority of our life has to shift. Not necessarily what's in it, but the priority. Are y'all here? Because I'm going for broke now. I'm just, I'm out there already. I might as well just go ahead and finish it up. We, we have to change what we think about and what's first on our list. And then the Bible says, Jesus, the Lord Jesus said it himself, if you'll get the priority list, all these things that the Gentiles want will be added. There'll be a supernatural grace come on you and you'll have everything that you were striving for. You'll have it plus the kingdom in addition to the kingdom. And you'll find that stuff you didn't get to, it really wasn't in your life and in your heart anyway to do those things. So the Bible says, Paul doesn't say we don't have the same gifts. He says we don't have the same office. So we got, we got to start prophesying. We've got to start having discerning of spirits. We've got to start having word of knowledge. We got to cut. You, did you know Nicole and I came last Sunday? Did y'all notice those two young women, 32 years old? Now, just let me ask a rhetorical question. Did y'all feel the level of the service go up when they came in or when they stayed in? They're just Christians. They're, they have no more Holy Ghost than all of us, but they were from the outside in. And when we prayed, did you hear? When Nicole prayed, did you hear the power in her prayers? He's like, whoa, buddy. If I was a devil, I'd be moseying on down to first church. Because it wouldn't be fitting good here. And, and we came, we ate lunch uh, with them. 
and and Nicole coming out of O'Charlie's, she said, I I want to pray for y'all. So we sat down, y'all know that little bitch out in front of O'Charlie's. And she put some shandies on me and Debbie. I mean, she, and it wasn't, it wasn't petty or religious or God bless. It was step back. If you don't have your nuclear suit on, your radioactive suit on, because you're going to get burned. If you, it was just amazing. And I, I told Debbie, I said, that was a standard that we saw that we hadn't been around in a while. And, you know, they're just good girls. But they, you can see there's a pursuit that maybe we've all been numbed down to because of familiarity, because of just a rote, um, you know, there's a word for that. But back to this proportion of faith. I'm about to finish. You could have a hundred people in a room, or not, let's say 99 people in a room that have access to all the gifts of the Spirit. Could y'all see that? They're born again and they're Spirit-filled. And all the gifts of the Spirit are accessible to them. Is that good doctrine? Is that true? You, you couldn't say, I'm born again, Spirit-filled, but I do not have access to, to working of miracles. That, you know, that'd be wrong, because you, you do. But, but the person, so all of them had a measure of the gifts, the measure given, but only, but the one that came in that had divided the proportion of the gifts, had, had exercised them, had talked about them to God, had practiced with them and, and worked with them and gave place to them and sought them, earnestly desire the best gifts, that sort of thing. That person would minister to the 99, even though they were all given the measure of Holy Spirit. This is so good. If you want it, it's so good. I believe we want it. I believe we're maybe like, this is going to be hard. Nope. According to the purpose and grace. When we discover our purpose, there's a grace. When you first become a parent, it is so intimidating. Taking that little guy home and saying, oh, I, you know, I, I was never even around children. Uh, I had a friend that had a baby and I asked her, I said, Pam, uh, you know, when, when does it open its eyes? How many days? And she said, Michael, this isn't a dog. <laughs> its eyes are open right now. <laughs> oh, I didn't know. I didn't know. I thought they, I, you know, dog puppies don't open their eyes. But anyway, I didn't know. Where was I? Anyway, you know, they say a sausage factory that once you've been in a sausage factory, you'll never eat meat again. Because they, you know, because the finished product, it's like, bring the links. We're going to burn down the grill. But that you go in the factory, you, you can't. And our past, my past and your past, has been a sausage factory. Could you say amen? Would you, would you want us seeing your, all your past? You want us to see all the stuff that's, that's been in your life to get you right now? We're all dressed up and, and happy about Jesus. Would we all want to see your life? I don't want you seeing all of mine. I've been through it, but I, so, so we have to cut that off because it keeps us from being who we are in Christ Jesus. Your faith is effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in us in Christ Jesus. The gift is in you. The Holy Ghost is in you. The purpose of God it's in the Word. It's been released. So we're going to have to identify with the blood of Jesus purchase. Eric said, the blood of Jesus purchased something. 
went up to the counter of the heavenly store and said, I'm going to give you the most valuable thing that's ever been done and ever been had, and I'm going to give it, and what are you going to buy with this? I'm going to buy a gift, a purpose, and I'm going to use it, and I'm going to put it in Eric Scott Billings. And the guy behind the counter you know, says, well, it'll take all of it. We ain't selling this stuff cheap because you're asking for a lot. You're asking for unlimited, unhindered, untimed access to the holiest of holies. Total dominion over everything under, in, and above the earth. You're, you're asking for something that's accessible by words. No work involved. Faith and words. But it'll take the blood of Jesus to pull it off. And God said, I'll pull that deal. I'll do it. And then we would sit around and say, I wish God would do something. It's so wrong on so many levels. It's just, it just, it's so not faith. It's so not doctrine. It's so not the truth. It's so not knowing who we are and what God has done that we're wrong. And we enter life and we leave life and we barely change life. And it's like any one of us, any one of us, any one of us in here, just knowing what I just said could turn this city upside down, myself included. Deeply flawed in the sense of being activated to who I am. I'm pressing. I am stretching. But I have a lot of, I've had a lot of religion. I've had a lot of, all excuses, all lame reasons. None of them true. None of them valid. But I still have to get past all of them. Do you all know what I mean? And we have to say, you know, I need a church that will support me. Here we are. We're not even lost with a bunch of religious people or culturally irrelevant people that are here mixing it up. We're down to the pure strength. <laughs> I mean, we are down to everybody saying, here my sin me.